Welcome to From the Sidelines, an unfiltered look inside the sports industry, a production of the Hart School of Hospitality, Sport, and Recreation Management at James Madison University. I'm Ashley Doyle, an alumni of the Hart School. And I'm Dr. Joshua Pate, a professor in sport and recreation management at the Hart School. This podcast is presented by the Hart School Alumni Network. The purpose of the Hart School Alumni Network is to develop lifelong heartfelt connections and professional growth opportunities between students, faculty, alumni, and their communities. To learn more about how to get involved, please visit our link in our bio. On this episode, Dr. Pate and I sit down with Jason Augie, who is a Senior Vice President of Sports Tourism at the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. He has a unique experience within sports and gets to work not only with professional teams within the area and college sports, but their main focus and clientele is within youth sports and recreation. He talks about all of this in this month's episode. Enjoy. Jason, you've been working with the Tampa Bay Sports Commission for quite some time now. And um, so, you know, speak to us about like the nuts and bolts of what you have going on. You just said you're knee deep in planning for the Southeastern Conference men's basketball tournament. Um, what, what's, what are the nuts and bolts of working for a sports commission? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, I've been at the Tampa Bay Sports Commission now 17 years. Um, I was with a sports marketing firm. Uh, after graduating at JMU with a degree in sport management and business. Um, and, you know, as I've moved to Tampa, you know, a lot of people, we're, we've become synonymous with hosting big events. Uh, you know, whether it's, we just hosted our fifth Super Bowl in 2021, a couple months later, we hosted WrestleMania for the first time. And we've built a, uh, a pretty strong portfolio or resume of hosting some of the biggest NCAA championships uh, as well. So, while we're known for those big ticket events, really our bread and butter or our foundation is the youth and amateur market. So whether it's a traditional or non-traditional sport, um, we host a variety of different events that generate significant economic impact in the form of uh, hotel visitor room nights predominantly. So in my role as the senior vice president of sports tourism, I'm kind of charged with overseeing our direct sales and marketing strategies and helping, you know, it's really a team effort. Everybody touches everything from, you know, what I learned in, in sport management um, specifically. Um, but really, I'm charged with going out and kind of developing that plan of what do we want to go out and try and recruit? And then if, you know, what does that, you know, process look like? So what, a, uh, what an RFP or a request for proposal for the National Football League might be a 75 page document of all these different things that you have to do. It's very different than a U.S. youth soccer, uh, you know, Southern, you know, national championship. So that's where, you know, we have to lean on our experience. And, um, and again, in, in my role, helping, you know, not only identify the opportunity and figuring out if it's the right piece of business based on the business model for our market, 
but then overseeing the uh, the proposal um, and putting that uh, together if we do decide to uh, to engage. And then if we're, you know, from everything from making in-person presentations, um, you know, to the negotiating process. And then if we're awarded, overseeing, you know, that, uh, that effort uh, to coordinate everything and ultimately delivering on the promises made. And you said the bread and butter is sort of in that, the, the, not the necessarily the marquee events, but let's, if we just settle on the marquee events for just a second, um, you know, there are the professional sports teams, you've got some collegiate uh, programs locally or nearby at least. And, um, but now all of a sudden, when you look at the resume of Tampa hosting these major events, um, it is, it is incredibly impressive and rivals any of the other major markets across the United States. So that's sort of a testament to what your sports commission is doing. Um, and, and I think, you know, for our, our young professionals, our students, uh, their go-to may not be, I want to work for a sports commission. Uh, that might not be their first target uh, job application. So I guess in a sales pitch kind of way, um, why should our students and why should young alumni really expand their um, their their approach to say, yeah, this is a, this is a really strong option for me? Sure. You know, people who aren't familiar with sports commissions, when I tell them what I do, I, I always kind of uh, draw a parallel to it's almost like being a sports agent. But instead of representing an athlete or athletes, you're representing a destination or a city. And I, and I fell in that same category as you just des described. You know, when I was in school, I thought, oh, I want to work in pro sports or, you know, I want to work in, in collegiate athletics. I ended up um, interning for the Philadelphia 76ers the summer of my junior year. It was a great experience in their communications department, learned a lot. Um, I then left the second half of my senior year and moved to Orlando uh, and worked for the Amateur Athletic Union, which is one of the largest uh, amateur entities in, in the world and running baseball national championships and helping with all types of events at, uh, at the Wide World of Sports at Disney. And again, great experience. The guy I was working for, another JMU alum uh, at AAU, uh, brought me to a conference and that's where I kind of discovered, you know, this opportunity. I realized for me, working in professional sports was, it was something I always wanted to do when I realized I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. Um, and so I said, oh, I wanted the next best thing because, you know, like you said, people love sports. They want to be involved. But really, once I realized the athletic path wasn't going to work out, I concentrated on the business side of sports and really dedicated, you know, my time at school and then afterwards to that. And so again, for me, I realized that the 76ers weren't necessarily, um, you know, the right fit as far as what I wanted to do and work in pro sports. Um, and so then when I fell into this, I realized, man, this is, this encapsulates everything I learned from, you know, my sport management degree and also, you know, my business uh, background. And so just falling into it, it, it was something where, it was incredibly challenging, yet very rewarding to be part of, you know, these organizations that you're starting from, um, you know, scratch and identifying opportunities that generate an incredible impact for a community, uh, not only economically, but socially uh, as well. Ashley and I have talked a lot about, uh, you know, the, those, those moments when, you know, you realize your, maybe your first pathway 
is not <laughs> the pathway. <laughs> uh, actually, I don't know if you want to chime in on that, but you know, the, it, it just goes, it does, it goes back and forth. And you have to be flexible. I mean, Ashley uh, um, has worked through that as a young professional herself. Yeah, I think it touches on too. It's kind of cool to see. We just talked to J.W. Cannon, who works with American Cancer Society, and he oversees it. And y'all's experience within sports is completely different than what they tell us in classes. Or I, when I talk to students now who are in classes, they're like, oh, focusing on the big four. And the point of all of this too is like talking to you and JW who are like, you're still touching sports, but in a completely different direction. And no one understands, I think how important your role is even just for a city like Tampa, like now Tampa is on the map, like Pete said. And so with that being said, I didn't even know these committees, commissions existed. I just thought, you know, like speaking of like the Super Bowl or college playoffs, like or even youth tournaments. I just thought they came. Like, I just thought they showed up to the city and did it. And I didn't realize like, there's a whole like back stage that just happens. And I think that's cool. So I think my, my question, I guess, to you would be not even with like, you had talked about proposals and stuff, but what is like, I guess that process that starts of like, who, who are you proposing that to in a sense when you're like bidding at, to the youth sports or it could be college game day. Like you guys just talked about, you just talked like you're about to get on the call with SEC. So like, is it you guys are putting a proposal together and proposing it to them and like, hey, like this is why you should come to Tampa. And then like, they're like, okay, yeah, you got it for X, Y, Z years. Yeah, I mean, every, it, you know, I'll touch on the first thing you said, Ashley, it, it's amazing how much this industry has grown. There are over 600 sports tourism entities throughout the country, you know, 29 in the state of Florida, because I think people realize that uh, sports tourism is here to stay. You know, we saw back during the recession, it was recession proof, you know, parents weren't going to cut you know, their kids experience and or potential future and then discretionary income when it came to attending events was something that, you know, people continue to do. And to a degree, you know, not getting into the politics necessarily of where Florida stands and being open for business, but we have been open for business. And as a result, we've had a lot of groups, you know, move their events to Tampa and Florida as a whole, which is, which is great, you know, for us. And we've been able to host events safely, you know, it's very measured, but doing it in a very uh, safe and effective way. Um, and again, you know, to the to the second part of, uh, of your point, you know, the process is different every step of the way, you know, when it comes to a Super Bowl, the NFL has to invite you to uh, to bid. And so that normally funnels through uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, when we're talking about an NHL all star game, it's the same thing It funnels through the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you know, so, and, and same thing with the NCAA championships, you have to partner with your host institution. So we're fortunate where we have two division two universities in the University of Tampa and St. Leo University, and then also a division one uh, partner in the University of South Florida. So what happens is, is there's a communication that comes out most of the time. Um, so the NCAA will say, hey, we're bidding out our championships from 2023 through 2026. 
Um, and so they send you the pertinent details about what the process looks like, what the deadlines or timelines are as far as what all will happen. And that's where you kind of work behind the scenes to put those custom proposals together with their guidance. When it comes to the youth and amateur market, it's a little bit different. The biggest success we've had, or the, the biggest successes we've had have uh, emanated out of attending industry trade shows. So if you think about like speed dating, right? Like that's what we're doing. We're going into these different cities probably four to six, seven times a year um, where there are these trade shows that are hosted where it's literally sitting down with 40 to 50 prospective event organizers to have a six to eight minute conversation and identify, okay, we have, you know, we understand and we do our homework on the front end and have our top targets and saying, okay, this would be a really good fit based on the venues, based on the business model. Those are opportunities to kind of uncover if they're interested in coming to Tampa. And then from that initial meeting, it usually sparks uh, further conversation. And then if you're invited, you know, to bid, um, that's where that whole process kicks off, if, if that makes sense. Well, that's cool. I like, I'm kind of interested now. I'm like, that's <laughs> kind of a cool job. <laughs> a lot of yeah, I, I mean, don't tell anybody, but let me know when you have an opening that with a, uh, a professor qualifications, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. No complaints down here. Uh, you, Jason, you kind of had touched on COVID and uh, not getting into politics, but we all know Florida was open, like, and it's kind of been open. So I guess my question to you is how did COVID impact events? I feel like everyone kind of just like stormed to Florida and was like, all right, we're doing it all here. And it's just happening here. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really tough, you know, been through a lot in, in my career. Um, we were literally a week out from hosting uh, March Madness um, when everything got shut down. Um, we had the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament the week after scheduled for the week after when COVID mm -hmm. hit. And then we also had WrestleMania scheduled three weeks later. So you can imagine how much work went into preparing to get all of that ready, all of that ready. And then all of a sudden you're dealing with a pandemic where everything's turned upside down. You're trying to figure out, you know, both personally and professionally what this means. And then the unwind process of having to, you know, unravel everything that you've done. So there was a period there, as with everybody in all industries, where, you know, you're trying to figure out and acclimate and figure out what the new norm was going to be. We just, you know, tried to stay in constant contact and communication with all of our partners, with all of our clients and figuring out, okay, how do we want to approach this? And so that was what was difficult, too, because, oh, by the way, we were planning a Super Bowl. So now you have these three mega events and, it's, and the landscape is completely changed. And so once it was decided that, you know, the state was taking the direction they were and we had more information, um, you know, we were consciously having conversations, better understanding what um, policies and procedures could be put in place, not only at the venues, but then also within the confines of the organization who was coming to Tampa. And so you can only imagine how much time and energy and effort that took to make sure that we did it right. And I'm proud to say, you know, with all of the different events that we've uh, been a part of or hosted, uh, we haven't had any issues. And most notably with the Super Bowl. I mean, we became at the time the first uh, team to play in their home stadium 
um, and win it, obviously, uh, last year. And with that came this huge rush uh, locally of Buccaneer fans who wanted to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. So we were having, you know, fan fests um, that, again, were, were so um, – uh, so heavily planned in terms of the attention to detail and how many people were letting in socially distancing, um, you know, health and safety protocols and procedures. And, you know, it, we, were, we were very lucky that uh, it all worked. Um, just again, that was through great planning from the NFL and then uh, our organization and a ton of, uh, of community partners. And the one thing, one last thing I'll just say to that too, is what was great about that Super Bowl. you know, we've hosted five previously. I think, you could make the argument that this was probably one of the most important Super Bowls in the history of Super Bowl because at the start of the season when the NFL launched their uh, NFL draft virtually, the commissioner used the word hope as you know kind of the theme. And so to see the season, the ebb and flow of what happened, and then for it to come full circle, I get goosebumps just thinking about it, you know, all the work that went in and being there on that Sunday on, on February 7th, when the Buccaneers, you know, beat the uh, beat the Chiefs, to know all that hard work led to you know something a lot bigger than just us, uh, because of what it represented for the country and in a lot of ways the world to show that events could be hosted safely was a big deal. I do have to say um, I was there the one the only Super Bowl I ever I've went to volunteered and stuff um, during that and it was cool. I have never, I can't compare it to any other Super Bowl experience, but it was like, we knew COVID was happening, but the atmosphere that it was, it was like, it was a normal Sunday football and like, we were all just coming mm -hmm. together and like having fun. And like that, I think that was what was just cool. It's like, yes, there were volunteers. We were all precautionary, but it was like, at the end of the day, like it was Super Bowl Sunday, like anything else. So it was like, definitely cool to see um just in that sense too like sports weren't happening so it was like coming back to us and we were like all right we can do this now so we had a it was a it was like a heart school super bowl because you were there of course jason uh ashley was there volunteering we had another current student at the time volunteering and then we had two or no we had three um student athletes or or alumni who uh, from our program who were participating in the super bowl so um yeah, so it was uh, it was nice to see that. Um, the the one follow up I would have to the COVID question is is when when you are hosting events like these, um, what's the pecking order uh, and who's calling the shots? I mean, does that depend on uh, who you're hosting? I mean, the NFL is going to have a little more say in some things versus maybe a local college yeah. uh, or a local high school um, or a soccer event, right? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that, you know, everyone was essentially on the same team. We're all working towards the same goal. So there, you know, there was just honest conversation. You know, there were, there were a lot of experts in the room, uh, but ultimately the, uh, you know, the NFL um, probably took the reins on that. But again, that's with respect to, you know, kind of, you know, in concert with what was happening in the state and then in Hillsborough County, which is, you know, Tampa as well. So a lot of, you know, very smart people were in the room, again, making these decisions, um, you know, collectively. And when, you know, you kind of tear that down, right? Like, so if we were talking about a volleyball tournament at the, uh, the Tampa Convention Center that, 
you know, traditionally you'll have 350 to 400 teams on a given, you know, weekend. That's a little bit different of a process because that's a city owned facility. So that's where our organization, city of Tampa, uh, the client, we're all involved in, you know, kind of coming together and saying, these are the policies and protocols that we're enacting. And so whether that was, you know, socially distancing, you know, the best of their ability with chairs or only letting in a certain number of uh, parents or guardians uh, per athlete um, with mask mandates, all of that. I mean, that, that was all consciously uh, thought through in a very, uh, very detailed way. Uh, and I'll switch gears here just for a moment. And, you know, I'm in the classroom uh, teaching our current students. Uh, and when we talk to alumni, we, we've sent this out through surveys. We've talked to them informally. But um, if you could offer suggestions, like what, what would you like to see added to the classroom environment or, you know, to help our young professionals entering into the industry even be more qualified and better prepared to face some of the things that you faced in your career? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an incredibly competitive landscape to work in sports, I think, as we all know, you know, and that's the key is getting your foot in the door and trying to differentiate yourself. I can't, um, uh, I can't highlight enough how important the business acumen side is um, to what, you know, I do um, and what I learned. So I think that's obviously, a, you know, a great starting point, you know, the, the business side of, of sports. And, you know, we had talked earlier about, you know, kids want to work in sports because they love sports. I hear it all the time too, you know, but the ones who separate themselves are the ones who kind of talk to that point. Like I love the business of sports. That's a way you can separate yourself. Like we all love sports, you know, but that doesn't necessarily translate to the job. Um, and the other thing too is, you know, I think from the classroom side, it's, and it's probably something you're already doing, but encouraging students to gain as much experience uh, as possible, you know, and building their network, building their network, being selfless, you know, as far as showcasing what, um, you know, they're willing to do, because I can tell you like when, when, you know, we get a resume. Um, we're always looking at ways that you can stand out. Um, and so if you're just going about your, um, you know, your normal, your normal path from an education standpoint, obviously that's great, but what are you doing above and beyond that helps separate you, that gives you that experience that you can build those references so that when an employer, you know, is, is calling upon them to say, hey, you know, tell me about Steve, what is, uh, you know, how is he as an employee? What, what about his work ethic, all of that? So hopefully that answers the question. I know it's kind of a little bit all over the place, but I think it's important to, uh, you know, to, to demonstrate your willingness to go above and beyond because it's a hustle. You, you've got to get your foot in the door. And once you get in, you've got to be ready to run. So, so take, you know, we, we've offered the serious advice. We've looked at some of the serious things, but what we want to do now is get extremely serious and take us behind the curtain, right? Uh, that's sort of the purpose of our podcast and what we've been doing. Uh, it, sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes it's uh, funny, uh, but you've worked with a number of clients and hosted a number of events. Um, what's, what's that moment that sticks out to you where, you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's incredible or it's funny or it's changing my world. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, 
That's great. I, I like that question a lot. I think the first one that comes to mind, I actually have a couple. Um, the first one that comes to mind was my first Super Bowl in Minneapolis when, uh, when it was the, uh, the Patriots against the, uh, the Eagles. And we were there as a future host. And, you know, I'd worked behind the scenes for a number of years, but as my, uh, you know, as, as I've been promoted over the years and it's become, you know, in the role that I am now to be there, it was kind of that moment of not saying you necessarily made it, but just the moment of just, wow, you know, thinking about all the volunteer work at JMU women's volleyball, you know, games and designing, uh, you know, promotional plans and, and be, you know, working crazy hours and, um, you know, being at the Disney Wild World of Sports running baseball events till two in the morning, being up at five, you know, 5 a.m. Like, you know, you kind of pay your dues and to, and to think, um, you know, that when, when I was there, I remember when they were doing the national anthem, I was just like, wow, this is a pretty cool moment, you know, intrinsically uh, for me. Another one that was really, uh, was really amazing was when the Toronto Raptors ended up relocating uh, to Tampa um, last season. We received the phone call. I mean, you're, that's what's great. That's what I love about my job is you never know what's going to happen. So one random day in November, I receive a call uh, from a number I didn't recognize, and it was a contact at the t- Toronto Raptors who said they wanted to consider relocating uh, training camp and their regular season to Tampa. And so it became a two-week sprint of crazy hours just trying to put – the entire operation together in concert with the Raptors and our friends at Amelie Arena uh, in St. Leo University and at the hotels. I mean, it's just some wild stuff. But again, we were able to uh, to make it all work. And as a result, we brought an NBA team to Tampa. So, you know, when, you, when you're kind of going through your five-year plans, uh, having an NBA team relocate to your city isn't necessarily on the list. But again, it's just, that's why I love what I do because I wake up shot out of the cannon every day because you never know what's going to happen. And so that's a, uh, a lot of fun, but you know, and, and the last one I'll share too is uh, actually two more, all the NCAA championships that have had been fortunate to work on are such a process. And so, and, and so from the time, like literally writing the bids and hitting submit and being awarded and all that work, which is traditionally an 18 month to two year process, college football playoff national championship, that was a five-year process, so strategically to kind of get it to fruition. And so when you get to that point where either the ball tips or, you know, you kick off or whatever it is, it's just that's always a, a really good feeling knowing that everything that's in front of you is a direct result of your organization's work, and I play a, a small role in that. And then last but not least is the military. So Tampa has a, a huge military presence here with SOCOM and CENTCOM being home of MacDill Air Force Base. Um, when people ask me what's the best event I've ever worked on, obviously, you know, the, the Super Bowls, NCAA championships, college football, national title game, they all, you know, come to mind. But really, uh, in 2013, we had the chance to work, partner with our local VA and host the, uh, the national veteran uh, wheelchair games. So it was about 900 athletes um, from all across the country a huge economic impact, but more in terms of what it did for the community and an opportunity to honor our nation's heroes um, was really significant and something that stayed, uh, still stays with me today. We hosted the Warrior Games a couple of, uh, a couple of years ago, working with the Department of Defense 
um, and we're, we actually just submitted a bid to host an event over July 4th in 2026 for the National Veteran Golden Age Games. So military is a big part of what we do and something that uh, has always resonated. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, the um, most of my research is in disability sport. And so uh, what we've tried, you know, I try to share with students and, uh, and our graduates even as well, is that uh, you're still putting on sporting events, you're still working in sport and recreation management. Uh, and uh, it's just, you know, the, the venue changes or the uh, some logistics right. change. And so and it, it, proof of it is just the, the list of events that you just, you know, spoke about that are memorable moments for you. Um, but I will take you back to that volleyball moment when I've got practicum and internship students right now who are uh, who are working volleyball and, and basketball. There's hope for them, right? That's what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. It goes back to your question, you know, earlier, you know, you, you've got to be willing to do that. Like it, that type of stuff absolutely jumps off the page. Like I did that my sophomore year because I realized like I saw in the classroom, I was like, man, there's some really bright kids in here, you know, and I said, how am I going to get ahead? And like, you know, getting that 76ers internship, that was all hustle. I didn't know anyone in Philadelphia, you know, so it just shows like, uh, and, and, you know, if you have connections, that's great. If somebody in your family or friends can help you or someone you're associated with all day long, that's fantastic. But, you know, for those who don't, I, I will tell you, I'm, I'm living proof that I had no connections and ever, I just picked up the phone and called or I emailed and was just persistent in trying to get my foot in the door. And then it finally worked out. Yeah. That, what a testimony. That's great. Um, and I'll kick it over to Ashley and uh, we'll, we'll, we won't hold you up too much longer because we know we got SECs waiting. Mm -hmm. Two, two things you said um, is it's funny. You say uh, you got to love the business of sports. Those words literally came out of my mouth last night when I was watching the Maryland basketball game. And like, I'm talking like logistics while watching the game. And like, I was like, yeah, you can love the sport, but like, I love all the rest of it, like just how it all comes together. And so it's funny that you say that because I'm like, you got to love it, like love what you do, because I always say people who work in sports, they're just built different, like we are just built different. Um, and so the second point you had said is like, you didn't know anyone, there was no networking and connections. And I think a lot of, a lot of students now think, oh, they need to have like someone in their corner that's in the industry or this connection, that connection. I literally sat down on my laptop senior, my senior year in college and was like, that's how I kind of found an internship with the Naval Academy. And like, I just, we, they were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to get in sports. And they're like, all right, come on. And like, just started interning with them. So like, it was just like, there was a posting. It wasn't what I was wanting to do, but it ended up being like the start of everything. So like, I, I, you're a prime example of that. You don't need to know. It's just like, you got to put the work and hustle into it. And so with that being said, we'll tie it all up. What is the mantra you live by? You know, our sports commission has a mantra of uh, game day every day. And I think that really resonates. You know, we, from my boss down, we all embody that, you know, where it's game day every day, you know, back to that Raptor story, like, you never know what's going to come up um, and you never know what opportunities may arise or from hosting event, what chance you may have, may, who's looking, you know, what may come from that or who you might meet who could influence um, 
you know, not only your organization's future, but your future uh, as well. And I think, you know, approaching every situation with a, with a great work ethic and a great attitude and, you know, trying to be positive um, and showing, um, you know, a willingness to go after it and, and hustle, I think is the key. And so, you know, I just think to myself uh, just very uh, candidly, you know, there's a lot of people who would love to be in this position. And so my approach today, 17 years later from when I first got brought on here is the same, exact same. Like I am hustling, uh, working hard, being strategic um, and trying to do everything I can to, um, you know, not rest on our laurels. Like we've had a tremendous amount of success, but, you know, we don't just stand still. It's how do we evolve? How do we constantly get better? And that's something that, you know, I feel like we embody again with that game day, every day mentality. That's fantastic. Jason, thanks so much. Uh, and are you working with Craig Pinkerton at the SEC? Are you? Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah, a good we just friend. got a call with him yesterday. Yeah. I'm good friends with Craig. We were both at Tennessee at the same time. And uh, I mean, he's just a phenomenal human being. So uh, please tell yes, him I said is. hello. All right. I will. Um, I will. Yeah. yeah. It's great to meet you guys. And, and thank you for the opportunity. Uh, try to, I'll be back in, uh, I'll be back on campus this, uh, this fall and look forward to, uh, you know, hopefully getting a chance to, uh, to visit in person. Oh yeah. We'll look forward to that. So, um, yeah, thanks so much for your time. I know it's a busy schedule, but, uh, this was terrific. Uh, thanks for sharing All right. the words. All right. Go Dukes.